Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you in another evening, an evening that will afford us the opportunity to not only engage Chapter 10, but also wrap up some of our reflections with Chapter 9. There are a few things, a few more things I wanted to touch upon, and I will do so with a returning guest, Chris Seibert. Chris, great to have you with me another evening. Thank you for having me with you again. Joe, I hope I'm here in meekness and humility. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> As as we will be talking about those two great virtues a lot this evening. But before we do that, Chris, what I wanted to do, again, is just tidy up some of our reflections from yesterday, specifically those reflections that came to us from verses 13 to 15, chapter 9, verses 13 to 15. So, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and reread chapter 9, verses 13 to 15. Through the evidence of this service... You are glorifying God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution to them and to all others. While in prayer on your behalf, they long for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Okay, so yesterday evening, I touched upon the Greek word for contribution, and I wanted to spend a little more time with that. The Greek word for contribution is kononia. So what Paul wants us to see is that it's more than just giving something away for the sake of appeasing your conscience. No, there's something much deeper going on because kononia better translates as fellowship, interpersonal communion. Essentially, Chris, solidarity. Mm -hmm. Solidarity is, as John Paul II would define it, civic friendship but a civic friendship that is rooted in love, willing the good of the other for the sake of other. So we give to the church, and here for St. Paul, it's the Corinthians giving to the church of Jerusalem. We give to the church so that we might help those who are most in need. Yesterday evening, I was reflecting into the significance of Labor Day and Hurricane Harvey. I mean, just think about that for a second. Yesterday, we were made to reflect into what Labor Day is all about, mm -hmm. working, toiling, struggling, laboring to provide for your family, and at the same time, be willing to give. Why? Because of love. St. Paul is encouraging us to enter into this great virtue of solidarity where we contribute to the church, and we do so because we are in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I made to think, Joe, of a, a, a comparison between going to a job and punching the clock, mm. if you will, yes. from nine to five, yes. and you punch in, you punch out, I'm no longer a part of this company, whereas at home, do you ever punch in and punch out? No, because that's the domestic church. That's where we have uh, pledged to give 100% of who we are, and not counting the cost, but to be present to our children, to our wives, to, you know, extended family, because that's who we're called to be all at all times. Amen. Life itself, religion 
is not a nine to five gig, but a 24 seven, 365 around the clock, mm-hmm. right? You're constantly called to be present to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, first and foremost, your family and mm-hmm. your sacramental vocation, but always asking from God, what is it, Lord, that you are calling me to? How are you calling me to give myself more. Yes, and I'm thinking, you know, that that family, it's it's a it's a model for me as to how I should be within the church because yes. that is my family yes. as well. And so there shouldn't be a uh, you know, an on-off button. It mm-hmm. should be complete, you know, as part of my whole vocation as a member of the church. Amen, Chris. And as you love your family, that love opens you up to the wider body of yes. Christ. When you fail to love those who are closest to you, it's all but impossible to love those right. who you know not. Right. I mean, how can you possibly love those you don't know if you don't love those you know? Right. right? And so um, there's something going on here for St. Paul that has us digging deeper. And speaking of digging deeper, I also touched upon this last verse, uh, verse 15, Chris. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the Doria in the Greek. It is a Greek word he uses elsewhere to speak of salvation, the gift of salvation. He wants us to see that our contributions are salvific. You know, Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 to 12 says, we are called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. We are called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And as Paul spoke to it in chapters 8 and 9, the contributions, our generosity is a proclamation a proclamation of the gospel insofar as we proclaim with our generosity. And we hear today, Joe, so much about, um, gosh, there's too much hypocrisy in the church. There's too much hypocrisy in government. There's too much hypocrisy in all these different elements of our society. For me, when I read this, I felt like that freely given generosity is like the anti-hypocrite, the mm. anti-hypocritical, because we put into practice what, what is being revealed to us Yes, in many ways, but also in the gift yeah. of, you know, our stuff as yeah. well. Yeah, you know. The gift, the giving, never expects anything in return. Right. That is why, in a manner of speaking, specific to this context, Chris, love is always void of expectation. Because the gift yeah. never expects anything in return. And see, <laughs> the hypocrite, by the grace of God, go high, the hypocrite becomes the hypocrite because they expect. Right. They expect. And as I have said on more than one occasion, expectation leads to disappointment. Disappointment breeds resentment. And resentment gives birth to the hypocrite. Mm. If we could just reflect with that and sit with that within the larger context of our everyday life, Chris. Yeah. I mean, how have we become the hypocrite? And how do we deal with hypocrites? Right? And these are hard questions to ask, but necessary questions for sure. So all of this really comes out of a reflection of those last few verses, Chris, because in the end, what St. Paul is asking from us, and I say us because as he's writing to the Church of Corinth, he's writing to all of us, right? 2,000 years later, he's asking from us something more, something deeper. And that something more and something deeper is that our giving— our generosity is not only a proclamation of the gospel, but it is salvific. Salvific. Amen. Now, out from that, St. <laughs> Paul has some 
uh, more tough words, but words of wisdom for sure that come to us from those opening verses in chapter 10. And if you can read, let's say, Chris, chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. Okay. So I begin in chapter 10. I myself, Paul, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I ask that when I am present, I need not show boldness by daring to oppose those who think we are acting according to human standards. Indeed, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Mm. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We are ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Here we can appreciate St. Paul as the humble warrior. I love that phrase. That was a phrase mm-hmm. coined by an old professor of mine. He is a humble warrior, and that's what you see in those verses. You know, Chris, the virtue of meekness that St. Paul speaks to here is one, I think, that is elusive to many because we tend to think of it in finite terms. We say meekness is this or that as opposed to meekness is Jesus Christ. Mm. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus says, learn from me because I am meek and humble of heart. One might think of a true knight. A true knight is without compromise, Chris, uh, without compromise, a true knight has great strength, and at the same time, he possesses great meekness, because while he can always use great force, that is what is at the knight's disposal, he also has the wherewithal to recognize when he needs to forego that, that force in the name of gentleness. The ability to use force, but the interior discipline to say no when you need to say no. It's kind of like the virtue of silence, right? Silence is more than just a noun. It is a virtue. It is a virtue when you have the power to say something, but the interior discipline to say no. Yes. When you realize you want to know what what I'm about to say, it's just not the best timing. That's meekness. Understanding timing. Understanding that In the end, Jesus Christ himself possessed great force. Jesus Christ was not a tame man. A lot of people want to make Jesus tame. They want to sanitize Jesus. He used great force, right? What's the line from C.S. Lewis? Aslan is not a tame lion. Oh, yes. Aslan Mm -hmm. is not a tame lion. Hold on, because you're about to go for a ride. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. When he roared... He woke up all of Narnia, right? Right. Why? Oh, by the way, for a great battle. Right. Jesus Christ is the line of the tribe of Judah. Yet, Chris, he says what? Learn from me because I am humble and meek. He says, look at my meekness when he comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. Mm -hmm. Right? He didn't come in with chariots as this great political messiah. No. He came riding in on a donkey. Learn from this humility. Learn from this Meekness. Uh, meekness to me is striking me as knowing the hour, Joe. You've, speak, you've spoken about the hour. Okay, what is it the hour for? Is it the time to roar, or is it the time to stay you know, beneath the surface a little bit, not as obvious and, and more subtle? Um, 
I can't help but think of an uh, athletic analogy as a coach and as somebody mm-hmm. who's plugged so much into this culture. We have a lot of, uh, we have a huge lack of meekness in the athletic realm. That's why the guys who, for instance, my son's playing football right now, the ones who do everything right all of the time without needing to pound the chest mm-hmm. and to, and to uh, call for the spotlight, those guys stand out to me so much. And they, are, they know the hour. Okay, the hour is now <laughs> for me to be sacrificial, to make the block, yep. you know, yep. to, to you know, pat my teammate on the back and, and make sure he's okay. Anyway, I, I don't want to go into that too much, but that was just striking me so much, Joe. Yeah, the, the importance and it's of what's necessary. I want to draw this out a little more because I do think something mm-hmm. is being said here that is so important. Meekness often goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. I heard a report right. a few days ago about the head coach from Texas. We're going to stay with the football thing yeah. here. Mm-hmm. He apparently, every so often, will stop their practice. This is the head football coach for uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. He'll stop practice, and he'll have the whole team just watch what the offensive line does. Mm-hmm. Why? Yes. Because they're tenacious, yes, but what the offensive line does often goes unnoticed. Often. And he, he wants the whole team to appreciate what the offensive line does. Right. Right? And to appreciate what the offensive line does is to appreciate what, Chris? Meekness. Yes. They're doing something for the greater whole. It's not right. going to be seen. Right. Right? They're not pounding their chest as uh-huh. you were just saying. Uh-huh. They're not pounding uh-huh. their chests. Their glory is being able to lift that running back That's up right. to, yeah. just for that moment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> by, the, by the hips to lift them way up. Amen. Know? And... Again, the point illustrated here is the relationship between force and meekness. The relationship between, Chris, the ability to uh, be firm when you need to be firm, mm-hmm. but also the ability to be gentle when you need to be gentle. Right. And I think we're speaking to all those young athletes out there that, it, that meekness can be practiced everywhere. Yep. You know, you don't have to put it on a shelf, that virtue on the shelf. <laughs> Live it in everything yeah. you do. Why was St. Paul talking about obedience? Why was St. Paul talking about obedience? Because he understands to be submissive to God's divine will and the greater whole is to play your part. Yeah. Is to play your part. To be submissive, to be part of a mission, to be a a part of that mission. Yes, to be underneath the feet Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ, right? (laughs) To be underneath the feet of Jesus Christ, to understand that there's something bigger, there's something greater. You know, we always want to stand out. We always want to be loud. We, we want to be noticed. And Jesus says, again, learn from me because I am humble and meek of heart. Learn from me. There are times when you need to roar. Christ only did that when it was necessary. Right. He did it to get the person's attention. Right. Stop what you're doing because you're about to fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need to raise our voices to let the person know they're about to fall off the cliff. But in principle, there's a reason why St. Peter says, when you give reasons for the hope that is inside of you, you do it in gentleness and reverence. Mm -hmm. Gentleness and reverence. Those virtues that really help build the bridge uh, from which truth shall pass. And that, I think, too, Chris, leads us into really the second half of our discussion as it relates to what St. Paul is talking about here and the discussions that we are to have. Because I think so often we tend to think about conversations where certain things need to be said all the time, as opposed to giving the person that you're speaking to 
the time and space to be able to say what they need to say so that then you can properly respond to what they said. And that's where the prayer for meekness, I think, is one to the Holy Spirit, because you ask the Holy Spirit to be whatever it is that he calls us to be in that conversation. And oftentimes, like you say, Joe, certainly has been my experience, it's not my script. Mm -hmm. I need to go off script and listen and be organic in the moment, you know, and then ask for the Holy Spirit's inspiration. I mean, I certainly do that every time I come on this <laughs> show because I'm always a little bit fearful. <laughs> By the grace of God to go yeah. on. Something we were talking about a few days ago at a particular coffee shop, yeah. Chris, was the relationship between the ego drama and theo drama. Oh. The ego drama says, mm, this that. is what you have to hear, mm-hmm. as opposed to the theo drama that says, God, what do you want me to say? Right. I am not in control. You rightfully say those organic conversations, because the organic conversation says, I'm not in control. Yeah. I mean, you prepare to enter into the conversations that you need to have for sure, or, you know, I prepare or you prepare. Right. But mm-hmm. we are always open to the Holy Spirit. Now, what's particular to St. Paul, and I love this, is he's talking about these virtues as weapons, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. These virtues as weapons, <clears throat> that the virtues of gentleness and meekness and humility and that poverty of spirit can actually be weapons, weapons to overcome. Mm-hmm. How? Why? Well, what are we talking about right now, Chris? <laughs> I mean, is not the virtue of meekness the virtue that allows the, the conversation to be what it needs to be? Yes. It's not the, the sword. It's not the gun, mm-hmm. right? It's not the knife. It's not those kinds of weapons that bring about truth. It's not anything forced or coerced or browbeated. It's... <laughs> the virtue of meekness and gentleness, reverence, and all those virtues that help bring about ultimately what God desires in those conversations. Yes, and choose your uh, social media uh, <laughs> uh, app. There's not going to be a lot of meekness because it is a lot mm. of sword. It's yes. sword this, sword that, sword this. And that's why <laughs> we've talked about this before, Joe. The person-to-person encounter is so important. There's certain ways you can't communicate things on social media or on a text or even, you know, in a phone call that you, you know, when you're with a person, person-to-person, you can be what it is together, what the Holy Spirit's calling you to be. Chris, I'm going to respond to you in a particular conversation, just not based on what you say, but your body language, how you say mm-hmm. it, inflection, tone, all that's gone. All of that is gone. So you lose that interpersonal communion. You lose that aforementioned fellowship and communion we were talking mm-hmm. about, Chris. Right. You lose that interpersonal dynamic of what it means to engage the person that God is calling you to engage. Right. That's gone. That's lost. Yeah. Social media has a place in our world today. Right. right. But I will dare say today in 2017, Satan is using it. And he's doing so in ways we can't even begin to imagine because, Chris, it's destroying relationships. And what's more, we are drowning out the conversation. We are no longer following people who disagree with us. And when you no longer follow the person who disagrees with you, you're no longer having a conversation. You're no longer having a dialogue about the very things you need to be dialoguing about. (laughs) And the thing that comes through to me, Joe, when we talk about meekness, what does it do? Oftentimes, when the sword is thrown... It disarms. It disarms by its presence, by its, um, I, I called it uh, just an openness to listen and to dialogue. 
there's a disarming that somebody is is not going to throw that second sword because they feel like, oh, that that's that's not working. Yeah. This person is making me think about something now. Uh, yes. So the sword is not working, and it's a disarming. That's Amen to that, Chris. And the Word was made flesh, and as John 1.14 reminds us, the flesh dwelt among us. Chris, the flesh dwelt among us for a reason. <laughs> the incarnation took place for a reason, that the God-man would be present to us. And if God has invaded our souls through and through, and Christ is abiding in us as we are abiding in Him, then the only way we can bring Christ to others is by being present to them as God calls us to be present to them. Physically, Mm -hmm. right? Physically. Again, social media has a place, but there's something to be said about that very real encounter because only in that very real encounter can we get to the heart of it. You know, use the word, Chris, disarming. That is the right word because when it disarms, it opens us up, Yes. right? And consequently allows the conversation to be what it needs to be. And I've seen it happen so many times, um, whether I'm the one being meek or somebody who I'm throwing a sword at is being meek towards me, a new universe opens up the minute they do that or the minute I do that. Oh, I hadn't considered that. And you have this whole new world that you are exploring together. And that's the beauty of meekness and, and humility. Yeah, and what's that world, Chris? That world is your whole history. That world is my whole history, if we are the ones having the conversation, right? right? And suddenly, by listening to you or you listening to me, we are walking through a door and being introduced to a whole new world, a world that is uniquely yours and uniquely mine, Mm -hmm. that is unrepeatable. Mm -hmm. Every single encounter in that way, Chris, is unrepeatable because John Doe down the street has an unrepeatable past. No one has his sets of experiences that he has. Like no one has your sets of experiences and like no one has my sets of experiences. This is a huge point because to the art of listening, to the giving the other person the experience of being listened to, this is the larger context. We listen to other because, man, they have something to say. They have something to share. And again, those virtues help open up that door. Yeah, doesn't meekness then lead us to realize that this person across from me, next to me, around me, you know, this group, they are all made in the image and likeness of God. Chris, you took the words right out of my mouth. The first precept of the church is what? But we are all created in the image and likeness of God, and that we all have an equal dignity. We have an equal dignity. I don't care who you are or what you've done or what you've accomplished. If it's in the name of God, praise God. <laughs> but it doesn't make you any better than me or vice versa. We are all equal in the eyes of God. And I tell you what, if that was our starting point, Chris, for the conversations that we have alongside of these virtues, just an understanding that we are all created equal, that we all have an equal dignity. I was driving here uh, today to the studio and uh, there was a midget who wanted to cross the street. It was in the middle of the road, and it was on, mm-hmm. it was on Fifth Avenue, and I had to hit the brakes. Yeah. And it was God saying, look at me. Right. It was so striking, Chris. This, this older man mm-hmm. who could have been taller than four feet mm-hmm. just kind of looked at me in the eyes, and it pierced my heart. 
pierced my heart and he kind of said thank you because right. he didn't follow sure. <laughs> the rule because of law. Sure, because many times right? people don't see him, I'm yeah, sure. And mm-hmm. Yes, that's it exactly. And as he kind of looked at me as he was finishing crossing the street, I looked at him and God said, look into my eyes and allow me to look into your eyes through this man. And you use the word, well, Paul used the word indescribable. I mean, that's one of those indescribable moments. Yeah. Words can't fully contain that encounter. I said pierced my heart. That's Mm -hmm. a surface phrase. Right, right. But be rest assured, Chris, from that moment until we started coming on air, that was the predominant thought in my mind. Right. He has an equal dignity, and praise God. Right. Praise God. And he had this great smile, you know, (laughs) and he put a smile on my face, right? Amen. (laughs) He put a smile on my face. He was the embodiment of meekness, right? Just by how he was created, right? The embodiment of meekness, and it just stirred more reflection for me. You know, this prous, this gentleness, this humility, this, the Hebrew word anawim is uh, bent over to be poor, to be lenient upon God for all things because of my stature. This is what it means to be meek. Of course, we are almost out of time. I don't know if you had any closing thoughts to our I, I was just thinking about the, it's almost a physiological occurrence for me when I think about those moments where I encounter someone like the man who was crossing the street, you know, short of stature, but his meekness disarmed you. He, mm. he it was like a magnetic, and almost a, an exhaling happens when I, when I encounter people like that, where I think, I'm I'm relaxed. I feel more at at peace. And that person gave me that gift through their meekness and humility. And it's isn't that a call to us to be more like that and mm. to give other people around us that same gift? Yes, the meek man, the meek soul, Chris. I think is like a mirror. When we are meek, we challenge others to be meek. When we see someone who is meek. We see the lack of our own meekness. Uh, and, and, and what you're speaking to here is so invaluable and rightfully is our closing thought for this evening because we do really need to challenge one another in our meekness. And our meekness, our gentleness is in action. Okay? Now, tomorrow evening I will speak much more about verses 3 to 6 and, and what St. Paul is talking about there as it relates to the need to roar a little more, okay? But all the while, Chris, there's a reason why the first beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, because it is, it is the beatitude that really sets up the beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, huh? All right, with that, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, The website is joeholcraft.org.